Hello, welcome to NC Asian American Ministries podcast. My name is Sammy Ju, your host. Now today, I am so excited to invite um, Dr. Don McCutcheon. He is our uh, special guest. So let me introduce him a little bit. I have his bio right in front of me. And uh, he is graduated from Fruitland Bible College and Gartner Webb College, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. He did his doctoral doc, uh, doctor of ministry. And he has a wonderful ministry experience. He uh, pastored in several churches in South Carolina, Indiana, and Florida. And also he served at uh, uh, Florida Baptist Convention and Home Mission Board. Now it's a new uh, North American Mission Board. And he also served in North Carolina Baptist Convention as executive leader of the evangel evangelization group. And uh, that's how I met Dr. McCutcheon. And currently, he serves as the president of Don McCutcheon Ministries. Now, if you're more interested in about knowing about him, his more detailed information is in the description section below. So please um, check it out. And you can also find his contact information. Now, I want to say this, that as you are listening to this session, live chat, if you have any questions, please leave your questions in the uh, chat box right here. I think that's uh, right here. And then, uh, or you can leave your comments in the comment section below if you're watching this later, because we want you to engage, interact with us, and we'd love to hear from you. And if it's not a question, any comments, a great God stories that God is doing in your life, especially in reaching people for Christ, we'll love to hear that as well. Now, without further ado, let me introduce Dr. McCutcheon to you. Hello, Dr. McCutcheon. How are you? I am well, Sammy. How are you today? Blessed beyond what I deserve. I am so doing great. I'm so happy to have you. Uh, again, I, um, I want to say uh, you are my mentor and uh, you are my supervisor, but more than being a supervisor, you are my American father. So thank you so much for being a family, my father and mentor to me. And it is a great honor and privilege to have you. So uh, Dr. McCutcheon, I introduced you already with your academic and ministerial uh, background, but would you introduce to us about your family? Certainly. I am married to uh, Debbie, my godly, beautiful wife of two years, six months, eight months and six days. I want to make sure I get that correct. My first wife, Kathy, who is also a beautiful and godly woman, is in heaven. She went to heaven in 2010, and uh, we had two sons and have two sons, a beautiful daughter in love and a, uh, two awesome uh, grandsons. And of course, I have my Korean family, uh, you and Debbie and Gracie and Enoch and uh, Joy and Noah. So <laughs> I'm a very blessed man. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. McCutcheon, for introducing yourself. And uh, well, we ha I have a lot of questions to go through. Uh, today's topic is the uh, intentionally evangelistic church strategy amid pandemic. Uh, pandemic is everywhere, not just in the United States, but all around the world, uh, including my home country as well. However, God is doing amazing work, and we love to hear what God is doing. And I, ex I um, participated in... IECS, Intentionally Evangelistic Church Strategy Conferences. And every time I participated, it was just amazing. 
to hear your stories and how what God is doing through in in and through uh, local churches. So I would love to hear more about that. Now my now I have first question for you. The most important and also most exciting question. How did you come to know Jesus Christ? Well, Sammy, uh, unfortunately, I was not raised in a Christian church home. My mother uh, was a Christian and is a Christian. Uh, my father was not at the time. He, he is in heaven now, though. He made a profession of faith much later in life. But I, as I was brought up, I was taught that if, um, if my good deeds outweighed my bad deeds, then I would go to heaven. And I, I thought that was the way it, it truly was. I played football with the preacher's sons. I was sent to church. I wasn't taken to church. And then, uh, and I also played with the deacons and we played high school football together. But uh, no one ever shared with me the, the God's plan, God's way of salvation. And so I thought everything was just fine. Then one day, my uh, teenage girlfriend at that time uh, was invited me to a revival, and her mother said I couldn't see her that night unless I went to revival. So we went to revival. I didn't know what a revival was, <laughs> but special services where a guest speaker comes in, and the emphasis is to try to help people come to know Christ and help Christians live a stronger, more holy life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't know that. And we were sitting on the very back row, and I was paying no attention to the preacher. I was paying no attention to the song. And all of a sudden, the preacher used the word hell. I don't know what he said before. I don't know what he said after. But the Holy Spirit, and I did not know that who that was at this time, but the Holy Spirit took that one word to my heart. And I realized for the first time in my life, I was facing an eternity in hell where God didn't want me to go. And God took that one word and captured me at that time. I, I forgot about my girlfriend. <laughs> I forgot about where I was. And at the end of the service, they gave what was called an evangelistic invitation, where they invited people to come if they wanted to give their hearts and lives to Christ. And they sang a song, and I was standing there, and I was holding on to the back of the very back pew uh, and just, just could not uh, make a decision. And finally, I realized that uh, th that's not a wise thing. If Christ gave his life for me and to, to, to rescue me from my sins and from hell, and as much as I understood that, that I needed to do this, and, and my heart was pounding, and, uh, and I went forward and gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, Lord, and uh, it's just been, he's been so wonderful to me. Uh, it's just been amazing what he has done with a, a Mill Village boy from the uh, upstate of South Carolina, and I stand amazed in his presence, and I'm humbled and honored or all the wonderful things he's done, all the wonderful people that he has brought into my life. Amen. Well, well and, and it's, it's just so wonderful because this can be for anyone, not for just for ministers. And uh, if, if anyone is listening right now and you're not certain that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and that you would go to heaven when you die. And I want to share with you that God does love you. And he demonstrated his love for you that while you and I are sinners, and the Bible says we all are, every last one of us, we can never do enough good things to get to heaven. One thing we can do is give our heart and life to Jesus Christ. And so if you realize that you're a sinner and you believe that God loves you, 
The Bible says that if you will turn to him, that's called repentance. And you will go to him and give your life to him, ask him to forgive you, confess Jesus as your Lord. And the Bible says that with the heart you believe to a right way of living and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And listen, this is one of the greatest promises in the Bible. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if today or tomorrow or if right now, and I would be thrilled, you, can, you don't have to be in church to do this. You can do this right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. If you want to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you can pray this prayer. But now, the prayer doesn't save you unless you mean it. And then you need to follow through and join a church and be discipled by that church. But let me just share this prayer that you can pray because many people do not know how to pray at all. I understand that. I didn't. And so if you would just repeat or believe this and you must mean it in your heart, dear heavenly father, I know that I am a sinner, but I believe with all my heart that you loved me so much. You gave your son Jesus to die for me, come back from the dead on the third day, that if I would trust you, I would have everlasting eternal life. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I give my life to you to serve you the very best that I can. Help me to be the best that I can. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And if you've prayed that prayer or you do this later, then please contact this channel and contact Sammy. He has some great um, follow-up and discipleship materials that can help you in your walk with Christ. He can also perhaps help connect you with a good Bible-believing church uh, if he knows the area. So I just wanted to be sure and give other people the opportunity, Sammy, to, to have the same experience that we all have in coming to Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Dr. McCutcheon. Thank you for sharing the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. So, uh, folks, uh, if you are watching this and if you made a decision now, uh, please uh, leave, a, leave your comments in the comment section or leave in the uh, chat box. Or if you um, are watching this, uh, the uh, live chat later, but if you made a decision, you can also leave your comments here because we want to love to uh, follow up with you. So Dr. McCutcheon, thank you again. And also, uh, what is, I mean, you share the gospel now. What is evangelism? What is the definition of evangelism? Well, evangelism is uh, the, the original language of the New Testament, of course, was the Koine Greek. And the word euangelion means good news. And it means sharing God's good news. I have a friend of mine who is a wonderful personal witness. And he will go to people and say, you look like you need some good news today. And they'll say, well, I do. And so he said, may I share some with you? And then he has led people to Christ just by sharing the good news. And that's really what evangelism is, sharing the good news of the risen Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, a Christian has to have the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. But you have, you have the desire, not just for someone to pray a prayer, and that's not what we want. We want you to become a disciple but with a view to make disciples. The greatest gospel in a verse is John 3, 16 in the Bible. For God so loved the world, and that's us, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life 
he uh, he died a, a he died a terrible suffering death. But he ra was raised again on the third day, and uh, that whosoever would trust him, and that's whosoever. That's just anyone. No matter what you've done in the past, whosoever would trust him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so also Paul says it, he, he talks about the definition of the gospel in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, or I uh, delivered to you at first that which I already received. He was talking to the church Christians at Corinth that Christ suffered for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the 11 disciples. So evangelism is telling people about God loving us so much that he didn't want to leave us in our sin. Now, we have a choice. We have a choice, but God wants us to be able to stay, uh, walk with him here, and then live with him in heaven forever. So that's the gospel. Good news. Good news. Amen. Well, thank you. Uh, Dr. McCutcheon, I know you've been um, used to, you've, you have been used by God uh, to help churches to equip them to become intentional in their evangelism and sharing the gospel actively in their communities and, and beyond. So um, IECS, which is Intentionally Evangelistic Church Strategy, um, could you explain to us what it is? What is IECS? Well, uh, Sammy, this is, is something that, that God seemed to have given me uh, after I was uh, called as a, uh, an associate missionary, the Home Mission Board, now the North American Mission Board, and assigned to Florida. And I was training, and, and I was seeing that people were getting excited about the training, there wasn't continuation. There, there was not that uh, perseverance, so to speak, that later on that it was working. And so I began to pray and ask the Father, how, how could I find someone to help me? And Dr. Tom Rainer wrote the book, Effective Evangelistic Churches, which he was a great researcher and an internationally known church growth expert and, uh, and dean of the Billy Graham Associate, uh, World Mission, School of World Missions at uh, Southern. And he, he, he allowed me to use his research uh, model. And we did that in Florida. And we found that uh, we, we had pastors who were doing great things, but we've, we were finding out they were doing different things. And what one church in one community and pastor were doing what was very effective, but another pastor and church in another community was doing something else that was just as effective. And so we did the research on it and began to help find under the leadership of the Holy Spirit how we could help churches build a strategy that is personal to them in their own context, in their own uh, area, the, the culture of that city and community where God has placed them. And so after the research and studying the scripture, especially Acts 2, 41 through 47, which Mike Shipman mentioned just a, a, a while back in one of your podcasts, uh, there was a, an outline of five things. And we found this in the research too. When we, when we dealt with the churches that were actually doing the job of evangelism, we found that there was evangelistic leadership. 
the leaders had made a commitment to make evangelism priority in all that they do. Then there was another part, and that was evangelistic organized prayer for lost people by name. And for some reason, Christians have a hard time doing that. We'll talk about people's sicknesses, but we won't talk about their ultimate problem, which is sin. And so we found that churches were doing this. One, one church actually had baptized none and a little church, and they baptized nine in three months simply by praying for lost people by name. Wow. It was wonderful. And so as we started to do that, we also realized how important assimilation and discipleship is. And evangelism is making disciples. Discipleship is growing them. Matthew uh, 28, 16 through 20 says that we are to teach them to observe whatsoever we, he, he has commanded us. And so as we worked uh, through this, we began to find ways to disciple people who would make disciples, who would make disciples, who would make disciples. And the church, there were churches doing that. Then the, the next things that we looked at were how to make our personal evangelism fit people's personalities. And there, you know, there are some people that will love to go out and knock on doors. There are some people that will stand on the street corners. And that's okay. God uses them. But there are others that need relational training. How, did, how can I witness and build relationships? And so um, we began to watch God do this. And we, then we found that there were events. The greatest event evangelism uh, that could occur is when you have an evangelistic Sunday morning service. That's perhaps the most neglected uh, event and opportunity that we have to do evangelism is giving an evangelistic, understandable uh, invitation with an opportunity for people to respond. And so those are, the, those are the main keys. And we helped each church. And we had churches, some churches had a visitation program, and they stopped it, and they doubled in baptisms. Some people didn't have a visitation program, and they started it and doubled in baptisms. Because the pastors and leaders and Christians listened to what I said about this. Please listen to the Holy Spirit. This is not about what Don McCutcheon said. It's about what the Word of God says and how is the Holy Spirit using you? Peter was different from Paul, and Christians are different from one another, so we have to learn how to work through that. So those are the five components. It's a contextualized, personalized strategy that you build under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Dr. McCutcheon, for introducing us about the uh, IECS. Now, I would love to hear the stories about what God is doing, God, how God uses IECS. I already heard some amazing stories from you already, Dr. McCutcheon, but I want the others to hear that stories as well. So, uh, Dr. McCutcheon, would you share some stories with us? I will be honored to, but that we can only do a few. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have so, God has just done so many wonderful things, but uh, uh, Michelle... A pastor's wife, Michelle P. Uh, she and she was she had attended this uh, once, and we we're going to do it in in their church. And uh, as she was uh, uh, text, she te she emailed me, not texted, but emailed me, and I want to read that to you. Said Lee and I discussed how this conference just refreshes the soul and renews the commitment to intentionally evangelize our world, our sphere of influence. I drove away reminding myself. 
Now, I can't let ministering to the saved exhaust me to the point that I have nothing left for the unsaved. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful statement from this dear godly lady. And she has a heart for evangelism, but it's so it, we get into a comfort zone of ministering to the saved. We forget that God didn't call us just to minister to the saved. We're to be making disciples that go out and reach the lost. Then her husband, who hosted this in January, uh, on April the 20th, which was the day before my birthday after that January, he sent me another email, or he called and, and left a message. And he said that, um, that they had 45 new believers to be scheduled and, and baptized that night. Wow, and, amen. And they had even more than that. They had a spontaneous baptism, and they told they had everything ready so that people wanted to be baptized, they could be. And so they had even more than those 46 people baptized on Wednesday night. That's a God thing. That's not anything. I, I've never baptized 46 people in one night, but that was a God thing in what he did in, in that church's life. Mm. And another dear friend of mine, Pastor Eric, in the inner city of Miami, uh, he took over his pastorate from his father, and, uh, and he had a heart for evangelism. So he came two years. I used to do six seminars in one year, and then uh, he came to two of them. And so he brought lay leadership, and they worked together and prayed together. And I don't think they had baptized uh, anyone, I think four. And then after the first year, they baptized eight, which is double. Now, an inner city church, there may be a lot of people, but it's a hard field. It really is. However, the Holy Spirit of God used them so greatly that the next year, they baptized 72 new believers to the glory of God. And one of them, I, I had a CD of his, a DVD of his uh, testimony. He was a drug dealer. And his wife asked the church to pray for him to be saved. And his heart became so burdened, he just didn't want to do drugs. He didn't want to be around. And the Holy Spirit just drew him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and he would say, it was an amazing story of, of God's glory. It really was. Wow. That is really powerful, powerful stories. Um, Dr. McCutcheon, um, I mean, every time when I participated in the IECS, I could see the passion from local church pastors and leaders because we know that God has given us the, the mandate to reach yes. the lost that make disciples of all nations and teaching them everything God has um, commanded us to do. So, but it's not just in a theory, it is happening. Um, and then by mighty power of God and what you shared just now it is the glimpse of what God is doing in the past. But I also, I'm very curious. I mean, we're in all pandemic now, and we're still in the pandemic. And we're, many of us, in lockdown situation. Um, it, is, it is very difficult to travel to another countries to do mission work. And uh, you know, whenever we meet with people, we have to wear masks. And there are all kinds of six feet uh, distance all kinds of regulations are in place. So, is what is God doing in this time in terms of evangelism? Does God still save people? Does God still use local churches? 
uh, is IECS still uh, relevant or practical even in this time of pandemic? And that is something that I really want to hear from you. So could you share um, any story, if you have, that how God uses IECS or how, how God uses local churches in general uh, to reach people for Christ? Well, I would like to say and answer that question. Yes, God does still save people. And God still uses Christians. Uh, the pandemic is giving us an opportunity that many Christians don't realize. We have, we're going to have an opportunity to speak to a hurting world in ways that we haven't in the past, and they didn't want to hear in the past, but they really are searching for truth and hope. And of course, we have that hope in Jesus Christ. But here's some things, you know, the, the basic things about the IECS that I try to encourage pastors and churches and Christians, Christian leaders to do, is number one, to pray for and build relationships with and share Jesus Christ with family and friends and work associates and neighbors and, and, and if, if, that does, if they're not ready to be saved, if they then invite to bring them. Don't just invite them to church. Ask them if you can bring them to church. If they would come to church with you or meet you at church and you go in together. But once you, you got to have that right. You got you to pray first. <laughs> you don't pray, then it's not, it's not going to be effective. Then secondly, you got to build relationships. And, and maybe it's just like you, you can meet someone one time and start building a relationship and invite them. And, uh, but you, then you have to invite them to Jesus and invite them to the church if they want to see that at that time. The second thing is that as, you, as, you're, as people come to church, they need to hear the story of how people get saved. Is, uh, what does it mean to be saved? And, how, and, and people will, some people have been saved at a very young age because they were raised in Christian homes. Some of us were not. And so we, were raised, we came to Christ in a very dramatic manner or different things. It's all the same. It's all just because you don't have a dramatic testimony doesn't mean you don't have a testimony. You do. Somebody needs to share their story and then share the gospel just as I did earlier. And, and after you do that, just as I did earlier, give a clear, understandable invitation. And remember, lost people don't know how to pray. Uh, I, I can't speak. Um, Chinese because I, I, I don't know any of the words, uh, I, but if I were raised there, I would have. And until we become part of the family of God, we haven't learned really how to pray unless we've been around others. So that's the reason I try to help people to pray during invitations. But then the, the important part of this, please give them a way to respond. And for people to be discipled, they've got to respond. Now, they may fill out a card. Some churches do that. They may uh, come forward. They may do that. Some churches have counselors in uh, the um, rooms around the building that they can go into and just talk to people about their questions. And so these churches have all done this, and, and they, they look for ways to continue to do it. The number one thing is they commit to evangelism as that number one emphasis. You asked me about a church, and I talked to a dear friend of mine, Dr. Lynn Hyatt, last night. His precious wife's name is Peggy, and uh, First Baptist Church, Callahan. Now, Callahan has one grocery store in the entire community, and they have maybe four traffic lights, which is a big deal because they only used to have one. And, and, and this pastor came. He was already evangelistic, 
Their church doubled in baptisms to over a hundred in one year, one year. When the pandemic came, they had already been thinking about live streaming because of the technological age and things that was coming in. And on the day the pandemic started, they received their last piece of equipment for their video needs. They began to set it up. The next service, everything was closed. So the next service they had, they, they live streamed it on Facebook in different places. And he has found, and this is something for pastors to say, when this pandemic is over, there are people listening to you that aren't listening any other time or going anywhere else. Well, you need to be thinking about that when you give invitations and when you bring things up. Time limit's important too. A lot of times when people are streaming, they're not going to listen over 45 minutes. So he started doing this and he found after the pandemic, 11 weeks ago, they started gathered worship. He said, and these were his words, we had tons of young adults who were visitors. And he said they were uh, 20s and 30s, which was surprising. And so they, they did it through the online worship, the online evangelism. And of course, if you're going to do this, you need to be ready for those people who are coming in so that you can disciple them and build relationships with them. So they started that. The second thing was, as soon as the, the uh, pandemic hit and all this stuff about masks, his, uh, one of his church members told him about a doctor at Shands University Hospital in Jacksonville who had developed a unique mask that could be homemade, and it was very safe. And so there were about 14 or 15 ladies that made over 12,000 of those masks. They gave them to hospitals. They gave them to doctor's offices, dentist offices. They went to the local grocery store and gave them out there. And the manager didn't even come to church there, but he's listening online now, but he, he doesn't even come to church there. And they, are, they were so appreciative of that. And so then they realized, okay, the kids are not getting their lunches. And so the schools were opened up trying to help out. So they, would, they decided and they started looking and they found sources. And they said for every family that drove up, they gave them a bag of groceries. Every family, the child would get their lunch, but the family would get a meal also that they had to prepare perhaps, you know, but they got food to do that. So when the schools stopped, they started doing it at their church. Now, every bag of groceries, every mask had a gospel witness attached to it. Everyone. Now, they said, well, we can't let these folks go without food. So what are we going to do? We're going to do it in our church parking lot. They thought, well, maybe we'll have 45 or 50 families. 300 families showed up. And they had a ministry. Uh, his wife, Peggy, is a wonderful witness. She's so sweet. People love her to death. She leads people to Christ all the time. They've led three or four people just in line, you know, that were waiting. People come three hours early to get the food. They welcome them. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad that we can serve you. Then they uh, share, uh, can we pray for you about anything? They share the word of God. Then they share their personal testimony and they give them a gospel track. And so God has used them. They, they, they're making evangelism their number one priority in all they do. 
they're looking for ways uh, to do that. And then uh, as they have continued to do this, they found out that they did it on the first Thursday and the second, thir third Thursday, one in the morning for people, you know, who could come then, but then for the working folks who didn't have food, they could come on Thursday evening uh, on the third Thursday. And so they have uh, anywhere between, well, when, when the unemployment ran out, they had 500 families the very first week after that on one, one Thursday. But they'll get there and witness to them all. Everything has a gospel tract or a gospel pamphlet, not just about our church, but about our Jesus. Mm. And so uh, here's what's happened. Uh, in the church, the community all of a sudden has a heightened respect and value. The pastor called it stock. He said, our stock's gone up, but a heightened appreciation for this church. And here's what Pastor Lynn, Dr. Dr. Hyatt told me. He said, what happens is that helping meet their needs opened the door for us to share the gospel. Now, he does not say that's the only way you do it, but this is what's happening when you meet people's needs. Don't ever meet people's physical needs without trying to help them with their spiritual needs. And so they, the, the community loves them. They're so appreciative of what they're doing. People are talking about it. And, uh, uh, and so what, is, what has he done next? Well, he had a state missionary from the Florida Baptist Convention, one of their convention uh, missionaries, to come and talk about relationships and relationship evangelism. And then they had another man who was in evangelistic ministry. He used to be the state director of evangelism in Florida, David Burton, Dr. David Burton, or David Burton. And he taught them in a Sunday morning worship service how to share their faith one-to-one -one with other people. And in that one service, they had three people come to know Christ. In a training service, they had three people who came, and it, it, was, it, it was amazing. So one of the things that they're doing is what I've encouraged churches to do, and that's annually take at least one service a year and train your people how to share Jesus and love people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, a couple of humorous things he said now when people complain uh, he said I've got a great answer for it well I, when they say well, why are we doing it? he said I really don't know I've never pastored in a pandemic before <laughs> and so he said that gets me out of a lot of things and he said I have one of the greatest answers now when people come and ask me why is this happening or why that's happening he'll look and say I don't know <laughs> he doesn't have to be the expert but people are being drawn to the Lord and people are being drawn to the church because of, of this church's great opportunity. I'd like to read a quote that he gave me. He said, Peggy and I have never been more excited to serve King Jesus. Now, here's a man who's been at a church over 30 years, grew it from 90 to about 1,000 in a small community. And this is what he says. I feel like we are just hanging on to a tidal wave or a tiger's tail but the Holy Spirit is one who is, has that tidal wave, and he's working through us. God has infused. Now, he, he, <clears throat> he is retirement age. He really is. This is what he said. God has infused us with a new joy and enthusiasm to minister and witness. Now, here they are in their late 60s, and they're so excited 
about serving Jesus, they've never been this as, as excited before. So the pandemic does not stop you from being evangelistic. If you pray, now you've got to work. And one of the things that they ask us to pray for them about is that God would give them energy because they're working themselves, you know, very hard. But, uh, and, and I prayed for that. I prayed that they would have the strength that Elijah had when he went 40 days and 40 nights on one meal. And, but they have uh, a desire to serve the Lord Jesus, much like your dad, mm. who has retired, gone into an apartment building and started a brand new church in his seventies. I admire him so much <laughs> and your mother also. <laughs> they are precious people. They really are. Wow. It is so refreshing and uh, motivating me to stay on put for on, on foot for God's glory. So what I hear from you is this, that pandemic or getting old never take away from the great opportunity to make disciples of all nations. So God is using pandemic to open door, even greater door to reach the lost people because people are in um, depression and devastation and that is a huge door to reach them with the love of Christ. So, well, thank you so much for sharing, uh, not just in theory, but also with the stories of what God is actually doing through his faithful servants. So, um, well, thank you for your time, Dr. McCutcheon. And um, if anybody has a question for you personally, uh, can they contact you? Because I... I left your email address in the description section below. So if you have any questions, if you want to get connected with Dr. McCutcheon, or if your church wants to host um, an event, IECS, in your church and invite him as a guest speaker, you can always contact him in the email address in the description below. But uh, Dr. McCutcheon, what is your email address? Could you just spell out so that uh, if people are interested, they can contact you? Could you spell out your email address? Yeah. Certainly. D-O-N-M-C-C-U-T-C-H-E-O-N-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you so much. All right, Dr. McCutcheon, uh, thank you again for being my special guest today. And uh, it is always a great joy to uh, hear from you. And I'm sure... I'm very confident that God is still using you and God is going to continue to use you to equip churches for his kingdom. Uh, Dr. McCarthy, if you don't mind, would you uh, pray for us? Father, I, I thank you that you would use someone like me to do anything in your kingdom. But when you do, I know it's you, and it's not me. I know, Father, that you have been mightily praised and glorified in the churches that have seen great movements of your Holy Spirit as they have sought to do your will and obey the Great Commission. God, I pray. I pray for revival. Hmm. I pray for churches to become focused on prayer again. Yes. And prayer for the lost by name and soul winning and evangelism because that's what you commanded us to do father not to sit and soak and sour but to sit and soak and serve and share the gospel of the lord jesus christ as we worship 
Father, I pray that you would take us, take this world, take this pandemic, and Lord, bring out of it what no one else, no country, no government can do, and that is peace and unity and people coming into the kingdom of God by the millions. Lord, I thank you for Sammy and for Debbie and for Gracie and Enoch and Noah and Joy. And I pray, Father, for them that you would bless them and protect them and intensify your blessing upon them. And for those who were listening, and those, uh, those pastors and Christian leaders, those Christians who are intercessors, oh, Father, raise up an army who would be willing to seek to do your will in evangelism, pray evangelistically, preach evangelistically, teach evangelistically, so that men and women and boys and girls and teenagers would become disciples of our Lord and go to that place when we die that you have prepared for us. Lord, we are so thankful that we have the hope that never dies because we have the Savior who died for us and rose again, never to die again. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for all who have listened. Thank you for Sammy inviting me. I'm so humbled by this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dr. McCutcheon, and thank you everyone for spending your time to watch and listen to this wonderful live chat. I look forward to seeing you next time with the next live chat. Thank you.